Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to the Total Car Score Podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And this week, Carl and I are in the same city, still in different hotel rooms, but we say hello in person and actually in the third segment, we're going to do our first ever, I guess, because of the pandemic interview together. So, Lauren, I'm sorry you're not here. Well, I'm in New York State and they've got us locked down. Our lovely King Cuomo has said that you can't leave the state without having a COVID test before and after, even if it's 24 hours. So I'm really not into someone jamming a stick up my nose twice in one week. So <laughs> I know that's too bad. Well, Carl, again, it was really nice to see you again. Uh, I saw you in uh, Ann Arbor for the Nactoy Drives, and I guess the, the industry is picking up in, from our side, right? I mean, they haven't stopped making cars and selling cars, but from what we used to be doing, we're like doing more now, more often. You said it, Javier. I mean, I feel like I've been extremely busy this past couple of weeks, and it's never nonstop. Uh, I've got some interviews tomorrow, but then Thursday... There's the um, e-transit Ford event that's early in the morning for me on the West Coast because it's 8 a.m. on the East Coast. So I'll be up at 5 a.m. to attend that. And then on Friday, I'm doing the uh, West Coast F-150 drive. And uh, then I think I'm getting a TRX. They're going to be able to get me into a TRX uh, in like the next few days, too. So, oh, and I'm in a, a Gladiator Mojave right now. That's one of the other trucks on the, you know, finalist list, as we know, semi-finalist list for uh, North American car truck and uh, utility of the year. So, yeah, all of a sudden, it just seems like it's kind of swung around. It doesn't mean I'm, you know, you or I or any of us are going out to parties and hanging out with a, a, a thousand other people because we're still not allowed to do that. But I think the car companies, whether it's building cars in, in plants or hosting launch events like this one out here in Hollywood this week with Hyundai are figuring out how to operate in this, you know, sadly new normal. And all of a sudden they're all ready to do it. And our schedules are filling back up again. Like they used to be. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just got back from F-150 uh, last week and I have, there was supposed to be Bronco this week, but I'm going to sneak away. I'm going to drive to Detroit for the Mustang Mach-E. You know, I'm not a fan of the name Mustang, but the Mach-E is coming up too. So, and I have a TRX in the driveway and I've got a, Defender in the driveway now, and I already had the uh, the other vehicle you're getting the uh, what the heck's the other one you just said, Carl? <laughs> the Mojave, the Jeep Gladiator. The Mojave, Mojave, yes, yes. So all of all of them finalists, or say, well, I guess in the in the in the truck category, there are finalists because there are only four four vehicles in that category. So that's going to be interesting for you to drive those. I already driven all of them except for the F-150, which I'm going to do in a couple of weeks. No, actually next week in, in Dallas. And from here, I'm going to Charlotte to drive the old crazy new Dodge SRT Demon Hellcat. I don't even remember the whole name of one of those. <laughs> all like over 700 horsepower on each, which is the Durango, the Challenger, and the Charger, which should be fun. I think we're going to a racetrack, so we're going to talk about that following week uh but yeah i mean we're busy i just hope that with the new wave of the new numbers that we're seeing this doesn't we don't get another stop sign again so hopefully that doesn't happen yeah i'm worried about that too all the headlines are talking about i just got an email from someone else saying that california is going to be pulled back to previous restriction levels because of all the cases that are springing up so yeah i don't think uh i don't think we're done yet with uh covid but Mm -hmm. maybe like i said we're not done here either Yeah. yeah 
But if they figured out how to operate in this new normal, maybe even when the restrictions are as bad or, or worse than they've been in the last few weeks or months, they'll still be able to function on some level. And again, I feel like they're doing everything they can to keep us safe out here at this uh, event in West Hollywood. And, you know, I think, I think they know how to do that now. So maybe we can keep, keep functioning, even if we're restricted officially. Yeah. What other news have got your attention this week? I saw one headline that really was interesting to me when I saw, I think it was from automotive news that uh, they say Nissan with the Rogue, which is also a semifinalist for utility vehicle of the year. Is going to start having Toyota CUVs in the showrooms to for people to compare right there. I mean, like that's kind of interesting, aggressive marketing. I mean, you, we used to see, we rarely see ads or TV ads where they even mention other brands. Now they're going all the way, bring the car in and like test them side to side. That's pretty brave, don't you think? I do. I think it is brave, but I think I think we live in a world now where the competitiveness of the vehicles has gotten so high that you can't just say you should drive our great our car because it's great because everyone says that and most of the reports kind of back that up you know i mean i don't think any of us drive cars now that we really feel any disappointment and it's just varying degrees of how good they are so now you've got to get as an automaker people you know as they say butts and seats you got to get people willing to come down to the dealership and try your car and if you can tell them look you can try our car against the competition will provide the atmosphere where you don't have to go to different locations and you know deal with traffic and different people to try to get two different vehicles that compete with each other uh, to be driven. You can do them both at our location. And I think that's actually probably a smart move. I think we're going to see more of that, by the way. I think we're going to see more and more need and demand from consumers to make it easier to buy a car and even easier to compare and comparison shop a car. So it's probably a smart You're move. You're starting to see that though already. I mean, look at car gurus. They're doing really well. They're on the stock market. You can kind of monitor that. And then on top of that, you see like Carvana. They're finally first profit quarter ever. And each of these companies are starting to expand to the point where they're adding different components onto what you can already buy. And the used car market's like on fire. It's still about 10% high, 9 to 10% high. I believe I got that from your outlet, Carl. I see cars. Um, but uh, that's that. But it's interesting to look. So last week we were talking about the total sales. We, we were guessing amongst ourselves like 14 and a half million. And now they're saying the total annual sales are going to be like 16 plus million. I don't know if it'll be that high, but I do know this, that if you're looking at a used car, and you could wait, wait, because there's a million cars a month being turned in off of lease from previous leases, three, two and three year leases. Be best to wait. If you're really hot to buy a new car, you want to get out of your lease for whatever reason, the inventory is still light. I mean, look at Corvette stopped production just two weeks ago because they were missing a part. And it's funny because it happens with a lot of manufacturers. It's just one part. It could be a screw. It could be a, a floor mat. It could be something really small. They cannot sell a car that's 99% produced. And we're starting to see the impact of that. And and for consumers, I tell people, if you really need a car, you're desperate. You had an accident. You, you know, now's the time to look if you really need one. But also keep in mind, you're going to pay a higher price and you're best off waiting. Yeah. So I guess in a way, there are like positive news in the industry because I mean, like the demand has gone up, as we mentioned last week, because people have changed their mind about sharing a car and like going in Ubers and all that kind of thing. Sales, as you say, I mean, the calendar hasn't stopped. So the leases that are due in October, November, December are going to still come up. Some people are going to have to give them up and like go back to the dealership and start looking for a new car. 
And again, like some logistic problems that you were mentioning with the suppliers and all that. But I think in general, right, Carl, the, the industry is, has survived pretty well within the really weird and adverse circumstances uh, around COVID. Compared to the prediction slash, you know, nightmare fears that people were spouting back in April? Absolutely, Javier. I mean, I think mm -hmm. if, if anyone would have said back in mid-April that by November, you know, profits on third quarter profit reportings would come in from all the major automakers at very good levels and that the, uh, you know, the rate of sales would translate to somewhere north of uh, 15, even 16 million annual sales back closer to the 17 million we've done for the last several years, nobody would have believed it because it was like doom and gloom. The whole world's going to come to an end back then. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, I always like to think about the fact that clearly these, these automakers, especially the domestics are just far more effectively managed and far smarter with their financials. You know, the last time we had a big disruption to the, uh, industry was the 2008 recession. And we came out of that with two of our three domestic automakers in the US having to be restructured with government support to make sure they didn't go under. And uh, you look at how they're doing and how they're weathering this storm, it's a whole different whole different animal in terms of their ability to do it. And I think, well, I, don't, I hope- I don't think they want to be bailed out. <laughs> That's yeah, what they yeah. don't want. Yeah, no, I think that pretends well. I think that shows that maybe they, you know, because we've all seen this. You see these companies, they make a mistake and they say, oh gosh, that was terrible. We'll never do that again. And five years later, they do the same thing again. I would I would <laughs> say that all indications are that they, they learned from 2008 through 2012, that, that last re big recession, and they didn't really look like they were going to make the same mistakes or that they've been making the same mistakes, setting them up for big trouble the first time there's a financial hiccup again. They've done pretty well. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the government, and we all know what's going on with that, and the new government, and whatever, which one that is. So maybe in the second segment, Carl made a suggestion last week to have a question of the week. And maybe we can make that one the question of the week today, and, and really just speculate, because we really know, don't know what's going to happen, right? No, True. I wish I could guess that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could put some right. I know where to put some some money in some stocks if I knew how this was going to turn out. But I think everyone's kind of waiting to see. Okay, we'll uh, wait and and see. And we come back in the second segment and talk about that. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And uh, again, uh, last week, Carl made a suggestion among us to ask one question every week. And we invite the audience to check the Facebook page, Twitter, wherever you can reach us. And uh, if you have any questions that you or any suggestion of topics that we should talk about, uh, we, we will include it into the show. So, Lauren, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the, right now, it's like today. Uh, Nobody really knows what's going to happen, right, with the new government and like the impact of the automotive industry. But what's your guess, let's say? Well, I actually have written articles about that uh, when it comes to not trying to be political, but at least like discussing um, what would happen if it becomes President Biden. Well, in that particular case, we know that the Green New Deal is part of the agenda. And that means they're going to look for more green cars. They're going to demand more green cars, mandate it like California is doing, try to eliminate fossil fuels as quickly as possible. 
But we have to remember fossil fuels are in literally everything, the clothes you wear, the computer you touch, literally everything. Water bottles, it's in glass. So we can't eliminate it, but um, the worst impact will be for low-income drivers because they can't afford to buy new cars. People keep their cars 12 to 14 years now. So I think that's my speculation, and I won't go. I can go deeper into it because I've written tons of articles on this. Um, so it's going to really hurt the auto industry, and it's going to help China because they produce all the products for batteries. And that we, so we will no longer be beholden to the Middle East. We'll be beholden to China because they own all the mines that have cobalt, cadmium, mercury, lithium, neodymium, etc. So the California Research Board will go across the country now. If President Trump uh, gets a second term things will change. Uh, They're talking about removing that $7,500 tax credit, which means if you want an EV, go buy one. There's no one stopping you from purchasing one. And that's kind of an interesting thing that people don't think about. Uh, fuel prices sure remain low because of fracking. We use a lot of natural gas, which is better for the environment. Um, you will see more of that usage. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to see... Uh, we're still going to have electric cars. It's just not going to be the same. Although some people think, oh, it's going to be all this pollution. Not really, but USMCA will absolutely increase jobs in the U.S. And that is an important thing by having 60% required for North American cars. So if it's sold here, it's going to be more jobs. And that's what we really need. Yeah. And the other thing about like pushing more EVs and all these new technologies, well, they're not new anymore, but like these new powertrains and all that, is that pretty much nobody is making, none of the automakers are making real money with them. I mean, like Tesla just like starting mm -hmm. to make some profit, but like- It like makes money you, off the carbon credits. <laughs> exactly. But if you if you start doing that the whole mass, I mean, it doesn't really make business sense for the car manufacturers. So if, if that's going to be the new policy and they're going to push it really, really hard, I mean, that's another element in which the automotive industry can be hurt. Right, Carl? Yeah, it really is. I mean, on, on some levels, you look at vehicles that we were just talking about, whether they're 700 horsepower SRTs that you're going to drive uh, this week, Javier, or their TRX Ram trucks with 700 plus horsepower that, I, that I'm going to drive toward the end of this week. Um, you know, a lot of these cars that maybe seem kind of ridiculous would not be very possible in a Biden administration. And some people say, well, that's a good thing. But then it's like, yeah, but then there's the other end of that spectrum, right? Which is it's going to make you know, uh, Hyundai Accents and Honda Civics cost more too uh, if you start requiring all of them to use green technology or even run on pure batteries. And that means that uh, you're not only going to hurt people who want to go buy 700 plus horsepower toys, but also people who want to buy their next commuter car because they can only afford a budget of $20,000 or $22,000 for a new car. And there aren't any new cars left that cost that much because to put hybrid and electric technology and all those will push the prices well above that. So, and, and the other point you guys brought up is just the, the market readiness for this, you know, forget the price, how many people are desiring a, an electric car? Well, right now, less than 2% nationally and even less than five and a half percent in the state of California. So if we want to get to pure electrics, I think it's possible, but I certainly don't think it's possible in the next five, 10 years, like lots of people want to see happen. And I think trying to get us there that quickly will just cause... Uh, the first time ever in the history of the of man, unintended consequences from government policies. We all know that never happens, but that might happen <laughs> this first time for the first time ever. And I, I was I wrote an article too about this, and I was saying things like, you know, you could see people in California just never buying new cars. They just start buying used cars because used cars that have full gas uh, gasoline engines are still available, you know, on the used market, and so they buy those instead. 
of new cars because you can only buy electric cars in California is what Governor Newsom wants by 2035. And I don't think that's what he wanted. I don't think his mandate was only only new electric car, only new cars in the state that can be sold are electric. And then no one buys new electric new cars in the state of California. They just keep buying used ones from out of state and importing them. And they're all internal combustion engines because that's the only thing everyone can afford. That's probably not what he wanted. But that could easily be a side effect if he puts that kind of policy in place. Yeah, very delicate balance because obviously everybody wants to win, uh, consumers, manufacturers, the environment people, and, and, but it's like almost impossible. I mean, I, there there has to be a way, but uh, I mean, wow. how are we going to get or like the whole industry is going to get into that position, middle position, position like where everybody kind of agree. That's kind of impossible, right, Lauren? Right. I mean, what's probably going to happen is there's never going to be an elimination. I think that's one thing everyone needs to be aware of. You're never going to see all gasoline-powered vehicles gone. It sounds great on the surface, but in reality, it's not possible uh, because fossil fuels are used in literally everything, including the plastics that are in battery-powered vehicles and the cases that hold those batteries. So, I mean, really, that doesn't make sense. Yes, you can reduce the usage, But there's going to be a mixture. The bottom line is you're going to see, and we've discussed this before, gasoline-powered cars. They're never going away. And like Carl said, the used car prices are going to go through the roof in California. There'll be people buying them in other states just to get them because the prices are going to go through the roof because no one wants to spend the money if they don't have it. Uh, in addition to that, you'll see diesel vehicles, you'll see uh, compressed natural gas, you'll see blue gas, you'll see a, a mixture, and new stuff we haven't seen yet, such as... You might have not thought about algae, and they've been doing a lot of research on that. So I think we're going to see a lot of really neat uh, e expansion of different types of fuels and hydrogen. You guys drove hydrogen cars today, didn't you? No, not today. We, we didn't drive them, but they did talk about them, and that's definitely a part of Hyundai's future uh, planning, you're, like you're saying, uh, Lauren. They're not going to depend on one drivetrain. They're going to have multiple drivetrains, and I think you're Smart. exactly right. That's how the whole that's how the whole world's going to work, and I've said that for years. I've said there isn't a silver bullet to this transportation solution there's a bunch of bronze bullets and uh among among them is uh, uh yeah hydrogen uh fuel cell um diesel electric pure electric and even traditional old gasoline they all have uses that make the most sense both uh financially and environmentally but to say that no no we just have to cut out all internal combustion engines i always want to tell people who say that i want to say well how about this You're saying that, you're ready for that, you want that to exist. So how about you live your life without any internal combustion assistance and maybe an example for the rest hmm. of us, right? Okay, so you can't go on any right. public transportation, you can't, that uses internal combustion, you can't fly on a jet. Uh, and if like, you know, one of your family members gets hit on a car accident or is just hit walking when they're out doing their thing, well, you can't have an ambulance come get them and take them to the hospital because those run on internal combustion too. So you go ahead and live your life without any internal combustion in it, And we'll all watch and sit back and have, you'll be the example. Let's give that a try first and then we'll talk. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Carl. It reminds me of the comedian who said, I only use one square, one square of toilet paper when I go. And I thought, <laughs> excuse me? How do you do that? And they go, oh, very creatively. I'm thinking, I don't want to live like that. I we know. live in yeah. the United States and we live in 2020 across the whole globe, if you're listening to us in other countries. And the last thing you want to do is give up the niceties that we've all worked for. I don't want to go back to dial phones and, you know, lighting candles. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I have another uh, very practical question, let's say, because my handyman is looking for a used car. You mentioned the used car uh, market now, Lauren. And he looked at a, actually 2018 Kia Forte with 55,000 miles. 
and he had an, uh, they offered it to him at the dealership, the Buick dealership for $10,000. So I actually went to the Carvana website that you also mentioned, and I saw the average price for a 40, 2018, is between 13,000 and 15,000 there. And they don't even allow any car with more than the average mileage, which is between 12 and 15,000 a year. So what's wrong with this equation? I asked him because like this some it has to be something wrong with something's that. Something's wrong. Because, red flag, right? red flag. <laughs> exactly. So I I, I think what it, it's I'm right, right? Like uh, he, they're trying to sell him something that is wrong there, right? Right. Hey, you know what they say? If it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Typically in a case like that, they bought a car that may have been in an accident, could have been a flood damage car, because you are in Florida. And it's possible it came out of one of the states like, I don't know, New Orleans or you know, somewhere in the cities like New Orleans. And that happens. So what happens is they wa they title wash them. They send them to Pennsylvania or Mississippi. They retitle them. So if they were flood damaged cars, they're not listed. Or on the other hand, the flip side, someone airs it out and gets rid of it because they really don't want to deal with it. Um, and you have to be careful of that. So anytime you're buying a used car that's not from that brand, if you buy a Kia Forte at a Kia dealership, they're not going to screw you because there's going to be a warranty that backs it up. It's their brand. They're going to check it out. And they're going to be honest with you. And if it's a flood damage car, they get rid of it at the auction. And it's labeled as a red a red light car. Red light meaning if you buy it, you buy it as is. One of the other things you can do, let's say it is a good deal. And you're really not 100% sure. You want to take that vehicle, and they should not fight you on this, to an ASC certified technician. It's going to cost about $150. I mean, you can do it at Midas. You can go to your favorite ASC tech. They'll do it at Pep Boys or wherever. Put it up on the lift. Look underneath it, see if it was in an accident, see if it was flood damaged, you know, all these things you want. Is there a big expense coming? Does it need brakes? That's going to be a couple thousand dollars. That would bring you right into that price point. Is there an engine problem? You know, was it under warranty? Is Maybe the engine was replaced. That would cause a red flag as well. Those kind of things are worth the money. The biggest thing is if you got some skills turning wrenches, look underneath the fuse box. If you see moisture or any water at all, there should never be water in a fuse box. That's like a red flag right there. Just run away. You do never, you never have to be afraid to walk away from a deal because sometimes you have to. Yeah, well, you said it much better than I did to him. Uh, I told him not to buy it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I probably would have said that too. Find some place else. Get a Buick exactly, and a Buick dealership. Exactly. Well, Lauren, uh, again, I wish that you were here with us. And in the, we're gonna say goodbye to you in this segment because in the final segment of this show, Carl and I are gonna have a really interesting um, interview with Olebasi Boyle. She's the new vice president of product planning and mobility strategy for Hyundai in North America. So we're going to listen to that in the third segment, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, Lauren. All right. Look forward to it, guys. Thanks. Okay. We'll be back. back here with the third segment of this podcast very special because we are almost there we almost have two parts of the team together and one is still missing in buffalo but anyway as we said we're going to talk to olavisi boyle she's the vice president of product planning and mobility strategy for hyundai north america and there's so much to talk about but let's start with something that actually happened today she was named by Automotive News as one of the 100 leader women in North America, along with Claudia Marquez, who heads Hyundai in Mexico, and Angela Zapata, who is the chief uh, marketing officer here in North America. So 
Congratulations on that, and I, I think that's a good start for this interview, right? Thank you, Javier. I am so honored to be on the same list with women and who ex show such great leadership skills like Angela Cepeda and Claudia Marquez. And to be on the same team at Hyundai and working for Jose Munoz, we have the best opportunity to do the best we can for the U.S. and Mexico, Hyundai Motor North America parts of, of Hyundai. And um, what's been great is I actually worked in the auto industry for other auto companies before I joined Hyundai. And eight years at Ford and 12 years at Fiat Chrysler. And then I actually changed to a completely different industry with Visa and um, worked on bringing um, in-car payments to the vehicle so that, because the vehicle one day is going to be the most significant IoT device there is. It is gonna be connected to other vehicles, other transportation infrastructure, um, and it will be the vehicle on an, an autonomous electric way that mo moves through the city in a safe, convenient way that allows the participants and the consumers in the auto autonomous vehicle to be most productive. And so when you come to a company that's so progressive like Hyundai, you have the opportunity to propel all those solutions forward. So I am thrilled to be part of Automotive News Top 100 Leaders, thrilled to be part of a team with Angela and Claudia, and thrilled to be working um, at Hyundai with Jose Munoz. It's an impressive list of accomplishments and, and career achievements Olavisi, um, clearly you started when you were about uh, 12 years old in this industry, but um, I, 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 we've spent the last couple of days driving some of the you know, models that are just about to hit versus some of these further out ones that you just discussed, which I'm very excited about as a techie. And I love the fact that Hyundai is stepping up the game on the performance side with these N-line models and even the N models that are the top level of performance that you're producing. And I'm curious what, what level of challenge you face when having the products of the next, you know, six to 24 months that are very immediate that you've got to manage alongside the products of the next, you know, four to 10 years that are also coming and are going to be hugely important as the industry keeps evolving. And I'm just curious how you manage kind of that dual challenge and how, how easy it is or isn't to tie those two processes together. I love that question because that is the best part of my job. So let me, let me uh, give a little background. Our uh, mission at Hyundai, um, which is our North Star that has come from our um, executive, our, actually our chairman now, Mr. Chung, he has a mission for us at Hyundai to push forward progress for humanity. And it's a very ambitious goal. But what's involved in there is how do we make our products where they impact society in a positive way? So let's talk about the products in short, short term to long term. So there's the various demographics of our, our customers, right? So you have the performance line with the N brand that brings in the people who want to race and have the, 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 their heart in every turn as they're in a vehicle. And so we have that demographic that we're, we're trying to provide for. Then you have the people who maybe are still in ICE vehicles, but we need improved uh, fuel economy. So we're working on those vehicles. Then you have the people who maybe they're not quite ready for full battery electric. 
So they want plug-in hybrid, which allows them to have their foot in both arenas. And then you have the people that are ready for full battery electric vehicles. And so when you talk short-term to long-term, so you guys got to drive the Elantra and the Sonata N-Line, I believe, this week. And so that's kind of in the short term that's coming up. And then we get to move to where we bring them to SUVs in the Tucson that you guys got to see a, 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 um, a little bit of. And so that's more in the short term. And so in the short term, you're sort of handling the Tucson, the Palisade, the Elantra, the Sonata end, and you wanna make sure that it's meeting the customer needs today. But as we go into the future, we look at those mobility solutions in the acronym we call MECA. So in mobility, let's start out with mobility. With mobility, there's so many opportunities. Are there ride sharing and ride hailing EVs? that we want to produce in the future? Are there purpose-built vehicles for last mile delivery of groceries or medicine post-pandemic? Are there multimodal solutions that take us from e-bikes to e-scooters to EV taxis to urban air mobility? Because in the future, the transportation is going to have to be people-centric. So how do I get from here to there? And it might mean different types of mobility. And then from our chairman again, which is, he, he, he's so progressive in his thinking, we have made opportunities with Exient, so on fuel cell trucks that are already starting today going into the future. We've made opportunities with Aptive autonomous vehicles, and so, because that one day will be the most significant IoT device on the road. And um, we've made opportunities with Remac, and partnerships with Remac. So EV and performance, and how do you bring those together? So now you're hitting a multitude of demographics. And then we go to urban air mobility. All sorts of solutions that could be electric, that could be hydrogen powered. Well, all that clearly explains why um, we've seen so many news from Hyundai pretty much every week. I mean, I've been covering this industry for 20 years, Carl, uh, more or less the same time. And I don't remember any other time where one car company has been with this cadence of like new product, new technology, new announcement, like new partnerships. I mean, like you guys are moving like a really fast pace. It's almost hard to keep up, like <laughs> to be honest with you, because there's so much coming up the line. And like, as you said, it's going to be in all kind of uh, variants, like gas, performance, electric, autonomous and all that. So, I mean, I don't know how you guys even sleep. I mean, when I have like 50 emails on red on my inbox, I get worried. I don't know how you keep pace with all this. Javier, the team loves our jobs. <laughs> and we have such dynamic and progressive and forward-leaning leadership, both in Jose Munoz and in our chairman, and the leadership, um, obviously, un underneath our chairman. So we have, have leaders that are going to champion the end line, we have leaders that are championing mobility solutions. We have leaders that are fostering these partnerships. Here in Hyundai North America, we're going to bring those partnerships and make sure that they are in our future development for North American products. And we get up and sleep and eat this every day. So to your earlier question, yes, we are going to take care of the Tucson and the Palisade and the, Salant and the, and the Sonata and the Elantra, but we're also going to 
grow those solutions because we have a North Star to be a leading smart mobility company by 2025, to sell 1 million EVs by 2025. And so you do kind of have to not sleep to get that done, have you? Well, so let's go back real quick to kind of this week and what we did. You know, Javier and I were both at this event. We got to drive these inline models. Now we can't talk about driving impressions until next uh, week, so we can't get into all the details. But it's clear from the plans you talked about with, you know, seven inline models coming out in the next like year, year and a half, and the level of kind of investment in the design and engineering of the cars that we have driven uh, in the past uh, 12 hours today that there's a real commitment to this idea of stepped performance within the Hyundai model line. And that's exciting. You know, we've seen this for decades from everyone from BMW to Mercedes, uh, even some of the domestics, they've had, you know, kind of specific performance divisions. But this is still relatively new for Hyundai. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what do you feel like is going to be the ultimate kind of breakup or split between uh, the breakdown, I should say, are split between non-performance and performance Hyundai products. What would you say is going to be the market share within the Hyundai lines that you're going to sell between those two types of vehicles? So I would say we are in the infancy of our journey in the racing part of performance. But the idea is to grow. We've had a lot of success with Brian Herta's team. We're pretty proud of that. But what I would say in terms of market share to your question, probably in the 10% in the performance range because we are moving to those uh, mobility uh, solutions of the future that will lead to uh, EV and both battery EV and fuel cell EV. And so by 2025, we want our EV to total sales mix to be about 35%. And so we're, we're working on that. That's what I say we are kind of share-wise. That's, uh, that's really impressive. I mean, the, the present and the near future and the long-term future also. And I always said that, I always admire in companies in any kind of industry or whatever, it's the team, as you were saying. I, but um, it's a good thing that uh, there's no salary cap, like there's like in Major League Baseball or something like that, or the NBA, because you guys have hired like the best from everywhere. It's just like almost unfair to the other teams. And I guess, I mean, Albert Bierman from BMW, yeah. M-Series, and the designers from Bentley, from Audi, from That's all awesome. over the place. So I guess, uh, I mean, the, the aggressiveness, it shows in, in every level. As, uh, and the team, I'm really impressed with that. I do feel I have joined the best team at Hyundai. And again, an, uh, a tribute to our chairman. You can see that he's bringing in the best and the brightest from everywhere in their particular disciplines. And, um, and even to, to some degree, uh, Jose will say that he's working to create his dream team as well. And so I don't know about the salary cap thing, because <laughs> I could always make more money, Javier. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I will say I I know for sure I'm working with the smartest people in the business because everyone is serious about what is a very aspirational goal, progress for humanity, a million um, EVs, um, and a smart mobility company in five years. And I'm convinced we'll be there because everyone comes to work with this level of energy and passion for what they do. And we're supported in the organization to support this North Star. 
and we all view it as our North Star. Well, thank you very much uh, for the time that we spent this week here with the new cars. And again, uh, check on, on uh, the websites and the uh, YouTube channels and all that for the videos and the reviews and all the cars. And congratulations again. And um, this is uh, actually, you're very special to us now because this podcast just started like about, we're, this is episode 12. And we have never had anybody in person in, a, in an event. So you are the first one. So we're very happy for that. Thank you. I feel so honored. <laughs> Excellent. So we'll be back next week with more things. And hopefully one time we'll have Lauren also here with us. Bye, Lauren. See you next week. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.